welcome to the FGEN podcast. Um, this is episode three. Today we're going to be talking about sports and trans people, um, especially trans women, but we will touch on all trans people in um, sports. Um, hi Vicky, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm really good. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to doing this um, sports episode. I'm, I'm no sports person, but I do find it quite an interesting one. So yeah. yeah. Um, Neither of us are big sport people. Um, so today we've got an amazing um, sports fan and person that's been doing a lot of sort of reading about the topic for a long time. We've got Paul from Steph's Place. Say hello, Paul. Hi there. How, How are you? Doing? How are you doing, yeah. Paul? Yeah, I'm fine. Good to see both of you. Could you just kind of introduce your kind of take on sports and how you, you know, your background on this topic? I know you have a trans daughter. Yeah, so that's right. Yeah. That, yeah, if you could just kind of explain that to us. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So um, I would say straight from the beginning that um, I certainly would never describe myself as um, an, a sport expert. I'm certainly not a scientist. Um, I come from the position of being a very big sports fan. I'm an armchair fan. Um, so I have a lot of interest and knowledge about sport itself. Um, <clears throat> and I suppose quite clearly my um, interest and involvement in this whole issue um, was was. 100% down to, my, you know, my daughter. Um, I have um, uh, an adult daughter. Um, she only discovered her own true identity when she was about 21, 22. And at that age, um, which is um, now what, sort of five, six years ago, and that's really was my first introduction, like a lot of people, um, you know, to the, the trans world um, and to, um, you know, starting what was a journey of myself of learning, obviously, everything that was going on. And one of the first things not surprising that I saw um, it was um, the growing level of um, uh, well, I suppose it's hatred um, and all the and everything that was going online because obviously that's where we get all of our so much of our information from. Um, and when I was learning on all the things and seeing all the uh, what was going on, what was spoken about, there was a lot of um, areas where, to me, it was quite obvious and quite clear um, where the um, the misinformation. Um, and where the issues were quite clearly, um, it was, you know, just coming from a, a transphobic point of view. But I, I do remember very clearly the, the, the time, um, not long into it, when someone turned around to me and said, you know, yeah, but what about sport? Um, and, you know, I mean, I have to say, uh, you know, my immediate reaction was quite clear. And I think everyone's reaction at the very beginning of um, without any knowledge of what's actually going on would be, yeah, you know, you're right, that surely there is a problem there. Because, as I said, for my thing, it, I really wanted to find out the truth of what was going on in everything. And that was in all the subjects to do with trans and, and find out what was going on. And, and if there was any area where there was an issue, you know, I don't think you should hide that. If there's an issue, there's an issue. It needs to be dealt with. So, yeah, it did make sense. There was potentially a problem with sports, with male puberty. Um, quite clearly, there is a strength issue with male athletes as opposed to um, uh, female. Um, we're talking about cisgender. So then I started looking into it and seeing things. And one of the first things that struck me when I started to look into it was um, the fact that there has been so little success of uh, trans women in particular in sport um, you know there, there isn't I know as I said we will touch on the subject um, uh, as you mentioned Violet about trans men but the 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 big attack and the big problem obviously was trans women because you're talking about uh, women complaining about um, these uh, so-called you know men stealing their their places taking their sports robbing their their medals um, and everything um, and you had the likes of um, Piers Morgan saying that um, you know, trans women are dominating women's sports. They are dominating. They're, they're, they're taking all of the records, breaking records everywhere. Um, so that made me look into it and think, well, OK, well, if they are, then there's a problem. And I just couldn't find it. Yeah. So, so is your daughter involved in any kind of sports? Um, well, funny enough, she's actually just started playing um, football again. Um, again, right. it's just, you know, purely recreational. Um, <laughs> and again, it's, um, it is an, uh, um, a women's team. Um, and um, she's, you know, openly transgender, um, and they have no issues. You know, so she's um, not faced any issues in that team, or no, none whatsoever. No, I mean it's only a recent journey, but she's never. I mean, she, you know, before that, it wasn't in sport, but she was involved in um, a lesbian uh, group where she used to go along to all the, you know, activities, which was a female group, but they were mostly lesbian. I mean, I, I would say, luckily, I mean, she has. You know, okay, we live sort of in London, which is a 
you know, a pro, one of the best places I suppose you can live. Um, well, there's you know, always Manchester if you get bored of London, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but from diversity <laughs> and acceptance and there being this there. So, you know, and in the open world, you know, she's had very little, if no problems. The only problem she's ever experienced has been online. Yeah. You know, um, she's had a death threat online, um, but, you know, and, and come away from Twitter. But, you know, in real life and, and certainly things like this, you know, she has no issues. So, you know. And, and you're also um, involved in Steph's Place and you've been writing some articles related to sports or, or doing some research yeah. on that website with Steph. That's you, great, yes. Talk about what kind of things you've been doing in there. Yeah, um, I mean, Steph, um, I came um, into contact with Steph, um, oh, must be probably a year ago now. Um, and it was actually through sport. I mean, I saw that, it was actually, I just saw online that Steph had made contact with Kirsty Miller. Um, and Kirsty is very heavily involved in the whole thing. I mean, she is a, a you know, trans athlete. Um, and I noticed that they were speaking and, and Kirsty was someone who I'd got a lot of information from if not all my information. Oh, Kirsty's in Australia, isn't she? That's correct, yes, yeah. she's in Australia. Um, and, um, and it was just a, um, when I saw that uh, Steph was actually speaking to her and made some contact, um, it was just saying, you know, you, you've actually, you know, contacted the right person there. Kirsty is absolutely who, she, who you need to be speaking to. Steph then sort of contacted me back and sort of started asking about myself, um, asked me whether, at first, whether I'd be interested in just writing an article about my experience as a father um, of a trans child, um, which I'm more than happy to do. Um, and I think that what Steph said, she liked the article so much, would I be interested in writing any other things? Obviously she already established um, a sporting interest. Um, yeah. And that's really where it started and grew from. Yeah, I did read your article. It was really, it was really good, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm waiting for the next one. Right. Hint, hint. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And you've also more recently been involved with FGEN in the sports research leg of FGEN. Yes, that's correct. Yes. So um, it's, um, it, as I said, it's, it's a breakaway group in FGEN, uh, which is concentrating on sport and how we can um, help. Um, and I think that the, the whole thing about, um, and it's almost this covers every angle as far as the, the trans issues are concerned, um, but particularly in sport as well. It's a matter of trying to make sure the truth is out there, trying to break down all of the, um, the misconceptions um, and, um, yeah, and sort of work together um, as, a, as a group to see how we can best do that um, and uh, best sort of help get the right information out there. Yeah. Are there any kind of campaigns or aims, goals that you're currently working on with, you know, within FGEN? Um, th th we're still formulating the actual main goals. I mean, there are things that are going on, which um, sort of um, is, is, is not something I can't really go into at the moment, but there yeah, are things fine. that are going on sort of within the group and within policies that uh, are being put together. So, yeah, but it's... Um, so it's still it, early days for actual... It's early days, absolutely, yeah. yes. Well, okay, well, well, we will keep an eye on that and maybe get you back on at some point in the future to talk about those. Oh, absolutely, yes. What we kind of want to talk today, what the kind of the main topic today is really this misconception that there is around, you know, trans women and fairness in sport. Mm. Um, we, you know, we, we have a few examples we wanted to talk about. So I think the first one that kind of comes to mind is uh, Leah Tom, Tom Thomas, and yes. she is a swimmer, I believe. That's correct. So I know, uh, Violet, you had some kind of comments you wanted to make on on this topic yeah um so leah thomas recently um started competing again after she had transitions so she has been uh on hormone therapy as part of her medical transition for 12 months and then quite recently this these last few months she competed on the women's um competition for the first time in the ncaa swimming competition um, I don't know a lot about it. I don't know exactly which category she's in and any of these things. Um, not a sports expert, just a trans expert, I guess. Um, but yeah, so she competes and she did very well. In her first race, she won by quite a large margin. And this created this new, the newest um, chapter of the trans women in sport controversy. Um, and the update to that story is very recently, just this week, it's been announced that the NCAA 
who are parts of, I believe, USA Swimming, um, have changed their transgender women's inclusion policy from what Leah was previously um, qualified through, which was being on hormones therapy. I, I guess it's testosterone suppression for 12 months, but she presumably was on estrogen as well. But we don't know and exactly, but that, that doesn't really matter either. But um, yeah, so she had qualified through that 12 month um, periods without, as I understand, a specific level of testosterone being um, specified, just rather that it had to be suppressed by some medication. Now they've changed the rules that she has to have been suppressing for three years um, and that she has to be under five nanomoles per liter or something. I'm not an expert on hormone. But um, so that's a specific requirement that she has to be under that for three years. And in addition, she has to pass the scrutiny of a experts panel that will decide if she's um, sufficiently um, fair to compete against cisgender women. Um, and they haven't really specified what criteria they'll use for that. Um, but yeah, so that's the change and that's that's the updated situation with, with so, the, so they've made the kind of the they made it harder they've, for they've people to harder. qualify. I guess one of the things I would love Paul to talk about, because I'm absolutely not an expert on sport, and I think it's very interesting is like they've moved the goalposts. Yeah. They've moved the goalposts quite a lot further away. Um, and this is presumably because of the anti-trans sort of panic that we're in and a lot of media coverage kind of coming their way. And I, I, I want to say understandably, of course, it's arguably not, but they felt so pressure, so they responded. Um, I am interested in sort of what we think in this conversation would be, well, whether we think these steps are appropriate in the first place and um, if we don't think they're quite appropriate, sort of what we would like to see them do uh, to improve from this situation. Um, yeah, Paul, do you have any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, the, the first thing you have to say, I mean, so I come from a position where, and, and also speaking to also um, trans women that are in sport, and I think it's important to make this point straight away, that, um, that do believe that sport should be fair. And do believe that their inclusion should be fair. Um, so they're not looking to um, actually have a massive advantage. Um, they are looking, but what they're looking for is, is inclusion. It's mm -hmm. as simple as that. Um, and um, I think it's actually important at this point to, to point out, because this is the difference. Um, one of the main sporting bodies, and as I said, I'll come on to the swimming one in a second, but the main sporting body is obviously the International um, Olympic uh, Committee. So the IOC. Um, have recently undergone a lot of changes to their policies and they've been through a lot of research. They have discarded um, some of the old um, research that supposedly um, was, um, was, was sort of proved that, <clears throat> that there was a, a, an unworkable advantage mm -hmm. that trans women have. They've discarded those and they've, they've actually realised that the people that were actually pushing that uh, come from a very gender critical position. <clears throat> they've removed that from them, them from the table completely. Um, and they have, and I can just, I mean, it probably helps to sort of just read the statement because this is, this is really important that, um, so the, the um, medical director, so sorry, medical and science director, Richard uh, Budget of IOC um, has said, right, so he said, the important thing to remember is that trans women are women. You have got to include all women if you possibly can. There is some research, but it depends on whether you are coming from a view of inclusion as the first priority or absolute fairness to the nth degree being the priority. If you don't want to take the, any risk at all that anyone might have an advantage, then you actually just stop everyone. If you are prepared to extrapolate from the evidence there is and consider the fact there have been no openly transgender women at the top level until now, I think the threat to women's sport has been probably overstated. And I think that's that's the key thing. Um, they have are now coming from a position that, yes, trans women are women, which removes any pop, uh, issue about it being for transphobic reasons. This is just about acceptance. And then you go on to inclusion. So let's sort of move this now <clears throat> onto the position of Leah. 
and where that position comes from. So if you're talking about fairness and the whole thing about the levels that the IOC are trying to, and they had and they're trying to create is finding, well, what is that fair level where it does become fair? Where is the treatment? Because if you just say straight away, well, trans women are women, um, they should be allowed to compete full stop. Well, that means that someone that is, um, who's socially transitioned should be allowed to play. And clearly that wouldn't be fair. Yeah. Because obviously they do have the advantage of the male puberty. Um, so therefore, there has to be something. Now, with Leah Thomas, um, if you look at her records, now, we're, we're, again, we're looking at someone who was a successful and a highly ranked athlete before transitioning. So they had that natural sporting ability. Um, and if you compare all of her records now as a, a trans woman, um, none of her records are actually better than cis women records, mm-hmm. right? So, and even though she, she is a, a more of a middle distance swimmer than a, a sort of distance, but she has posted records or, or times in the, the 100 freestyle, the 200, the 500, and the 1650 freestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't hold any of those records, mm-hmm. right? So cis women, and if you also compare her pre-transition times, um, so in, again, the 200 freestyle, you know, before transitioning, um, she was like 143. She's now one, you know, she's, but so she's now 143. Pre-transitioning, she was 139. Mm. You know, the, the uh, 500 freestyle, again, uh, 435. Well, before that, she was 418. Mm. There is a marked drop in all of her performances. So therefore, she has dropped level. And w- what we're talking about is, has that dropped sufficiently to make it fair? Because she, in my eyes, what you're looking at is, if someone has a natural ability at sport mm. and they can perform at, you know, against um, obviously cis men when they, before they transition, they should be permitted and there's no reason or no harm in them permitting at the same level once they transition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it shouldn't just be about, well, well, if they win, that's not fair. Yes. So, Paul, I was wondering, do you think this is simply kicking the can down the roads as far as, like you say, potentially they're just trying to get Leah out of the league until um, you know she'll be off somewhere else later, or do you think this is a legitimate attempt by them to find fair, inclusive rules? I, I would say personally, it's just my opinion. It seems like it's kicking it down the road, um, and um, they will. I, I believe they've they've said they will re, you know they will keep looking at it. So in other words, you know, yes, of course it's going to be reviewed. This um, the thirty six months does seem designed, you know, specifically to remove the problem for the moment. Um, and then they're considered, which is totally unfair for Leah, obviously. Yes. Um, and that's the whole point. It's, you know, when we talk about fairness and the IOC talking about fairness, they are talking about fairness from everyone's perspective. Uh, yeah, and just if, uh, if I could just interject, I think this is a really important point I want to make, because we've been speculating about whether we think that the inclusion rules uh, were fair in the first place. And this is... Re- revolving around this specific trans woman and I want to make it clear that there's nothing in any way that she's done wrong all she's done is exists as a trans person that mm. is also an athlete and also an athlete that's good at, at her sports um, and she has fit within the rules as they were and now the rules have been changed as you're telling me Paul to exclude her specifically which um, you know is is an interesting choice I suppose but I find a lot of this coverage doesn't necessarily focus on what's fair, what's best for women's sports in a holistic point of view. More so, I see the press focusing on the morality, the character of Leah Thomas and suggesting that she is taking advantage of this um, rather than just simply trying to live her life. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when I started um, being involved in this, there was a lot of claims um, that there would be a lot of cheating, that um, there will be cis men that will abuse this to think that. And and, and the challenge was straight away put out there. Do it. You know, do it. Is a cis man really going to go to that much effort? You know, absolutely. To To actually go on hormone therapy. By pretending that they are trans, um, you know, th- to make those life-changing, you know, things to their body, um, uh, infertility, um, and also give themselves dysphoria because obviously they're not removing dysphoria; they're giving it to themselves. Um, 
you know, it, it's just, it, it's... I don't, it's, I don't actually it, believe it, that they would be able to successfully do that because, yeah, because oh. of the dysphoria. You, Absolutely. You know, would they, yeah, they would almost guarantee that they wouldn't be trans women, you know, 100% of the time. It would only be, you know, at those times when they wanted to play the sport. Well, I think this is a really interesting point that you're bringing up, Vicky, is that, like, in my experience and a lot of other trans people's experiences when I've talked to them, is transition... I mean, of course, we had an idea before we transitioned that we were going to hopefully be happier. Otherwise, why would we have done it? But an interesting discovery, at least I've made, is that all sorts of things in my life are easier and more enjoyable um, because I had kind of discovered um, that I was spending a lot of effort to try to pretend to be like normal, to, to pretend to be cis. And so when I'm not doing that, that I have a lot more energy and enthusiasm for something, for example, like sports. And so I think it's quite an interesting uh, thought experiment to think if a cisgender man was like, oh, I know, I'm going to, I'm going to unfairly beat cis women because of my superior manly testosterone and my XY chromosomes. Um, if he was to try to do that, he would probably get quite sad um, and he would have to spend quite a lot of efforts um, dealing with that and this is sadness because of dysphoria as you've mentioned Vicky which is the feeling of um, incongruence in your body um, in your body as it's um, naturally you know sort of will develop based on your um, endocrine system um, and these guys would be experiencing that and they would do worse in the sport they would perform yeah. worse because I guess Paul you can talk about this but biology and biological advantages as far as sex but also as far as just the diversity of human beings is a key part of sporting performance but also other aspects such as the training resources you have available the support you have from friends and family and if you're pretending to be a woman <laughs> you're probably going to have a pretty bad support structure um in, 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 behind you <laughs> yeah i mean the, the whole thing about succeeding in sports is you have to have Everything has to be right. I mean, it's um, you know mentally as well as well as physically. Um, just the psychology of, of participating. I don't think you would be no, no, in, no. A, in a position to be able to. No, which again is something that again some people forget when they talk about. Um, there are some records of um, some um, uh, trans athletes. They look at them just before they transition and said, "Oh, look how badly they were doing. They weren't great. They, they were doing fantastically in their you know in the junior." Thing, but then it got to a certain point. Well, of course, dysphoria is taking over. They can't concentrate. They can't actually compete at the highest level. So, of course, their performance levels is going to. And they've done that with Leah. They looked at the last, you know, sort of um, period before, you know, she transitioned to say, well, look at her records there. You know, whereas, you know, she actually has, you know, the, the, the records beforehand to prove, uh, you know, how good she was. Yeah. So um, another example we were going to talk about was um, the the weightlifter. Um, Laurel Hyde. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so Laurel, um, and again, I think this really fed into one of the, 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 the perfect narratives, if you like, for um, the gender critical, uh, because unfortunately, um, they, they based a lot around uh, on image, um, which, which is an awful thing to do. Um, and it was so easy to sort of try and, you know, get the most unflattering pictures um, and uh, to, you know, as I said, to, to, and it, but again, what they completely ignored um, was someone that actually was a high ranking um, athlete and competitor, um, you know, sort of when, when, they, when they started off and before they transitioned. And again, just to give you an example. So um, when she was uh, 20 uh, before transitioning, her combined uh, snatch, clean and jerk total was 300 kilograms. Um, once she had transitioned, and she did take a long time before she transitioned. So, I mean, there is a, an age issue that's going to come into it. But still, you know, she was at the beginning then, as I said, she would have improved from a, you know, 20. You don't hit your peak at 20. Um, so when she actually went since transitioning over from between 2017 and 2019, eight events, her average was 274. So that's so less. Another significant drop. Yeah, absolutely significant drop. And when there was all this complaint about her coming in and dominating the sport, um, she was ranked 15th in the world at that time in the weight division. Um, and her, being her best combined lift at that time was 270. Um, that was 55 kilograms 
um, lower than the current that that world record that was set that, that year by a cisgender woman. Again, and, and, and actually in in the Olympics. She didn't really. She never stood a chance. She was never gonna, never going to win it. You know, she might if she'd have been lucky, and you can get that. You know, on, on the day of uh, being challenged for a medal. But the way they were saying that she was going to dominate, she was going to win it, not a chance. And yeah, she, she, you know, didn't even manage to. I mean, yeah, I mean, you have to take into account all the pressure she was under from the media. Oh, unbelievable. That's pressure. probably, you yeah, know, accounts for a lot of those problems she was having. Well, again, this is one of the things that I sort of wanted to comment as well because at some point there will be, and, and there hasn't, and this is the whole thing. As I said, when I was, and it goes back to when I was looking at, um, you know, the success that supposedly they've had, you know, because you have this massive advantage. So surely, you know, there are going to be loads of time. There has not been one successful trans woman uh, who's been successful in elite level yet at all. There really hasn't. You've had the tiny amounts of success um, uh, in, um, in cycling. There was an overaged um, a success, Rachel McKinnon, as she was then. Um, but again, that was overaged and in, and sort of in one event. Um, but doesn't it always doesn't doesn't it also kind of matter who you're competing against? Oh, absolutely. You know, if, yeah. you're, if you're in a kind of a local event and you're you know the opposition, yeah, you know in your race or whatever is is not world no. class. Well, you're going to win anyway, aren't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. But the the, the fact of the matter is, at some point a trans woman athlete will succeed. And the whole point is that what I want, would like to see, and I think that's again from FJ, what we're trying to do is get to that point where that will be celebrated, not condemned, because why shouldn't she? If she has the natural ability, she has done everything that was right in the whole transition, that you can tell there has been that proven reduction of sporting ability, um, why shouldn't she be able to compete at the highest level? And that will happen at some point. It hasn't as yet, but there will be an athlete. I mean, I use sort of, you know, uh, Caitlyn Jenner as an example of what happens that, you know, she was still a trans woman, even though she hadn't transitioned when she won an Olympic gold medal. Um, now, if she had have transitioned earlier, she still should have been able to win a gold medal at the Olympics because she had that natural ability. And that would have been fair. There would be no reason why she shouldn't. So again, as I said, it's and it comes down to that thing, you know, um, have they set the, those records or they, those um, uh, levels of uh, qualification for Leah? Um, basically, you know, with the the whole point of we have to assess whether your abilities have dropped sufficiently enough. Well, is that sufficient enough so you don't win? Is that what they're saying? I think this is an interesting, maybe an interesting yeah. point to look at um, Castus Menya, the mm. um, intersex woman, yeah. um, and how she has been uh, affected by testosterone levels. So this is a different issue to trans women. I think it is important yeah. to be clear, but it's interesting as a comparative because she is being excluded because she has too much testosterone, which is still, is the same exclusion criteria they're using for trans women. And it's interesting because arguably what they're saying is she's just too good to be a woman. Is that, do you, do you think that's a fair statement, Paul? What's your thoughts on her exclusion? Well, yes. I mean, the trouble is she's, um, and uh, here is someone that has, as you said, absolutely right. It's, it's a different issue to being trans, obviously. And, and the difference you could say is that obviously, um, she hasn't made or needed to make any changes to her body to be who she is. Mm. She is who she is. So therefore she's not transitioned to becoming with the, the use of. Hmm. So. The, ah, it's so what you're saying there, Paul, is, is that you, you can't, you couldn't accuse her of cheating because. No, it, absolutely. In her natural state. It is natural. Um, all I can say is, and, and again, I, I would look at this very um, skeptically as well and say, um, again, image, um, had she, let's say, looked like Sharon Davis, the swimmer, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, a white blonde swimmer, I don't know whether she would have had the same level of um, attention and, and, um, and hatred, maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's probably fair to say. Um, but again, what you can do here is, and the way I do with my, when I started looking into this, start looking at then, well, what are the comparisons because obviously here you've got someone who hasn't done anything to body. What's the comparisons and how does sport react to that? Um, where you have similar situations, but, you know, with a different sort of coming from a different point of view, a different background. Um, and this, again, this, you know, you always hear um, it mentioned, oh, there has to be a level playing field. 
right? Level playing in field in sport, in elite sport, does not exist. It is completely, it, it's nonsense. There is no such thing as a level playing field. You know, if you're talking about, you know, football, it's the richest clubs, that they're the only ones that can win. You know, um, if you're talking about athletics and sports, you know, you take the Olympics, does every country have the best coaching facilities, the best training facilities, the best coaches, you know, the, the best, more, most amount of money? To, of course they don't. Yet you're all competing on the same level. Mm-hmm. Um, so, of course, it's not fair. It's not right. So then if we come down to natural advantages, you know, let's take one of the greatest or the greatest Olympian of all time is Michael Phelps. Yeah. Now, again, the, the advantages he had because of his body that were natural, um, yeah. meant he was unbeatable. Um, you know, at size 14 feet, he had double jointed ankles um, that could bend 15% more than his top rivals. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they said that basically it was like having flippers. Yeah. Um, he had yeah I mean, he, he was, he's built like a dolphin, isn't he? Basically. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, even, even his, uh, his arm span was, was, was um, sort of three inches longer than normal, because normally it's the same, if you put your arms out, it's the same as your height. As your mm-hmm. It was three inches yeah, longer. So he has... Now, when you're talking about absolutely and touching down, it's again, it was a massive advantage. You know, he had um, also the other thing was a massive advantage, especially in in things like the Olympics, was he had half the level of lactic acid um, than uh, sort of his than his competitors. Now, lactic acid, um, that is that is that makes a massive difference for um, uh, for uh, recovery. Um, And if you (coughs) half the level, it means you can recover much, much quicker. So therefore, when you've got, you know, it's not just a one-off event where you've got all the different rounds and heats and you're competing in multiple events. That was a massive advantage by having that. Now, the interesting comparison here that I make is with Casta Semenya, they turned around and said this last Olympics, right, if you want to compete fairly, you now have to take these drugs because you have to reduce your testosterone. (laughs) And then we'll allow you to compete. Mm. Did they say to Michael Phelps, because you can't change his body in any way. His body is his body. But did they say to him with lactic, lactic acid that we actually need to level that up? So yeah, you can increase your acid levels to make Absolutely. things fair. Ridiculous, yeah. isn't it? Of course they didn't. No. Well, not only did they not ask him to take anything to change his lactic acid levels, we we celebrated him. I mean, he's, he's, he's loved, yeah. I mean, in his country, but he's kind of a fascinating figure. You know, I, th- I think this is from a feminist angle and this is a feminist network. I mean, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? We've got essentially one of the best female runners in the world, one of the best women runners in the world. And she has been banned from competing and she's being accused by quite a lot of people of being a man. Um, and then we have a cisgender man that is, also the best at his sports in the world and he's been celebrated and he's become one of the you know most celebrated sportsmen of 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 recent history i think that's an interesting difference of outcome regardless of anything else we think about endocrine systems very very good point that's it's 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 spot on it really is because that's the that is the the whole thing it's it's about um i mean it's it's ironic because it's about fairness Mm. and actually the fairness is the wrong way um, there is nothing wrong with, um, and as I said, I have to keep coming back to it, but the IOC's policy that they're now putting forward um, is one that they say is based on fairness. Yeah. And that's based on fairness from both sides. Um, and if we get to a position or st- if, if every single sport starts off from that position, trans women are women. Yeah. You, I don't believe we then have a problem because we can find what is the right solution. The whole point is, what the those that are against it you will find they're the ones that will not accept that as a starting position yeah um, and i think this is a really important point and I, and when you say trans women or women i guess obviously our listenership's probably going to be pretty on board with that statement but yeah. i think it's an interesting thing when i think about that question um sometimes people maybe that they haven't thought about these topics very much and that's perfectly fine like um or maybe they're feeling a little bit transphobic maybe they've heard some transphobic things which is also fine to be honest which for the record it's very common for to to experience those things so one doesn't need to feel bad but you know trans women aren't the same as cis women and and if someone hears the statement trans women are women they may think oh well that's a strange statement because they may infer a lot of things from that but that's not that's not what should be inferred. What should be inferred is that trans women 
just like a cis woman cannot help but be a woman they are the person they are and that is a woman and to live their lives appropriately within especially within the societies that we have today which is a different topic but we can't opt out of the systems for example having gender categories in sports we can't opt out of that that's the world we live in it might not have been that way but it is so while whilst we we look at any woman a trans or a cis one um, she can't help but be herself. She can't just transition, to, you know, a cis woman can't just transition to become a trans man because on a whim, because she doesn't want to have misogyny affecting her life anymore. That's actually not an option that's really open. It's, a, it's an awful option if it would be a mistake, right? Um, and it's also a mistake for a trans woman to pretend to live as a man that has a absolute cost and she can't make a choice to not be in that circumstance and that's what it means it's to be the state of a human being that benefits from transition that's what it means to me to be trans that doesn't make a statement as people can obviously realize it doesn't make a statement about how good you are at sports it doesn't make a statement realistically about anything much it makes a statement about what is best for you as a human being and what we can understand when we when someone tells us that is how we can understand what that person needs and what they are as a person and how to interact with them in a supportive manner that's what that means and it's no different to a cis person saying that mm -hmm. um and it can't be changed or opt out of any more than a cis person can opt out of being cis or a straight person can opt out of being straight or of course a gay person can opt out of being gay so that's what it means to me at least and then beyond that you know um yeah with for example with trans women post puberty for example like we can look at ways that we can do that that will work I mean it is a complicated topic but what isn't a complicated topic is the existence of trans people and I think this is the thing that people need to focus on because if you don't understand that then you might think oh well they could just live as men. Why are they doing this? Like, why are we creating this problem? But that's the thing we need to understand is the problem is pre-existing in the systems that we have. And simply all we need is an answer of how to include every single human being, trans or not. Absolutely. No, no, absolutely. absolutely. Spot on. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the, that's the whole point, isn't it? That when you say trans women are women, that's the whole point. It's trans women. It's not trans women are not cis women. Trans women are women. So, you know, women is a, you know, is, is the, the, the main group. And there is a small subsection, however large it may be, 0.5%, whatever, 1% that are, but that is the, the distinction. So there is, there is an absolute distinction between the two, but both cis women and trans women are women. Mm. You know, and as you said, that's the whole point. And, and something that is vital. So when we talk about human rights, one of the things that has been, um, um, sort of absolutely put down as a human right is sport. So sport is a human right and it has a massive um, and a proven uh, benefit to mental, mental health and mental well-being. And especially where you're talking about um, such a marginalised group where there mm -hmm. is mental issues, to actually have the ability to, you know, sports. And as you rightly said, to actually say that, well, you know, well, why can't you just perform, you know, go and compete in a men's... I mean, again, I'm not trans, so I'm not going to put words in your mouth, certainly, but the whole thing to me about what I see, and obviously from my daughter, the thing about being trans is you have no issue yourself with who you are. The issue is always it's, it's with the outside world. So if you want, if you have to... Um, and you need to convince the outside world of who you are, as a trans woman, the last thing you're going to do is compete in a men's event. Well, yeah, quite. I think it's interesting. Like, um, I can talk about my personal experiences. I'm not a sports yeah. person at all. <laughs> um, I've never been particularly good at sports. Um, but, you know, I, I've enjoyed it as an amateur and, and I've enjoyed going to like swimming pools and these sorts of things pre-transition um and currently for me i opt out of <clears throat> all of those things largely because of changing room situations and this sort of thing and there's an awful lot of rhetoric and sort of um you know things that I, the whole thing is petrifying to me and i don't want to put myself in that circumstance so i opt out of the same thing completely and i i can't think that this is unusual for other trans women <laughs> well actually i know it's not unusual i mean as far as uh, anecdotally within my friend groups i guess and like 
that sucks. <laughs> like it, yeah. it, that that's the context mm. we're in here is that like, uh, it, this is painful and horrible. Um, and like, there is multiple things going on here. There's elite sports of like, what is the, the, the fine tuned rules here? And I'm not an expert on what, what the path to get there is. I, I would say from a lay person's point of view that I don't think that we have the information we need to get there. I'm not sure how we're gonna get that information because I think it's quite difficult to get, but that is one topic and that's fine. But realistically, I think what comes up much, much, much more in this debate is on the personhood, the, the, the reality of a trans woman's womanhood and the character that she has. Is she a good person or is she actually a manipulative male that's trying to take advantage of females or get into women's spaces? Um, and this is the thing that's petrifying. This is the thing that um, uh, makes us self-exclude from like, quite significant amounts of daily yeah. life. Things that, you know, if you're listening to this, you might just think are normal. You just do it. You would never think. We think about a lot of things, we being the group trans women, because it's it's bloody scary. So I think if anything to take away, it's like, please, can we look at the humanity of the trans women that are involved in this as a very important, but you know, separate topic to the higher level empirical question of, you know, what is the, the, the endocrinological systems that will need to be changed? What are the levels that are gonna get us to this best possible compromise of fairness? Um, you know, whatever that might be. And, and as Paul's what really points out, we need to remind ourselves that in cisgender sport, we simply are not fair already. So I think we need to think about this as the goal being fair enough and coming to some sort of compromise of, of what is fair enough yeah. on one side. Um, and then, but on the other side, and I think this is more important to me, um, is we need to be treating trans women as people, <laughs> like yeah. as actual people that are affected by these things and the way that people talk about us. Um, and yeah, like it, it, it directly harms us to be talked about as though we're men. And that's like a, a very common rhetorical device for anti-trans people. And I just want people that aren't anti-trans, but maybe can keep an keep an ear out for that sort of thing and keep an eye out for that sort of thing so that you can understand what's going on there a little bit more even if you know um you want to do a deeper in inquiry into like exactly what's like the the data by all means but please just like have an understanding of the rhetorical damage that is being done and and, and actually think about that for a second, for, especially from a feminist point of view, because it's just like, this is, this is, this is discrimination at its essence. This is how it always is. And that's what's going on with this political system, like this political um, circumstance right now with, with, with Leah Thomas and Laurel Hubbards and Fallon Fox and, and all of these trans women athletes and, and sports people. Yeah. No, so, I mean, I can, I can, you know, also say that I've excluded myself. You know, I haven't been swimming for several years. Um, it terrifies me. Mm. Yeah, it's very, very much agree with what you just said there, um, mm. Violet. I mean, and also, you know, when we when we see in the, you know, in the press, in negative statements coming out from ports, uh, sports personalities, you know, uh, I mean, such as Sharon Davis, Kelly Holmes, and Martina Navratilova recently. Um, they've all made some what you you know you could you you could say they were negative comments towards trans people. Um, I'm not sure what their current positions are, but I know you know Martina Navratilova did put out a documentary after her comments, which kind of retracted some of the original position. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you want to comment on that, Paul. You know, yeah, it, of, it's you know, um, the negativity in the media towards again. It. Yeah, um, there is. The, <laughs> Let's say, again, you could say um, uh, from, you know, if I, I want to sort of be um, sceptical about some of the things, you know, it's, it does seem as though it does give some um, older um, athletes that are no longer relevant a chance to be back in the spotlight. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, th that may be a reason. Um, but, yeah, I mean, certainly um, I had my run-ins um, with um, Kelly Holmes, um, and Sharon Davis, who both eventually blocked me on Twitter and refused to talk. Um, but 
again, it, it's the, the 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 annoying thing, as I said, it, it's just it's just the refusal to to actually look at evidence. And it was at a, that that was at a time, and that was going back, you know, sort of three four years ago, um, when I was saying, and as I said, you know, at the beginning. Um, I had seen, like, for example, um, one of the things I pointed out was on um, Wikipedia um, that if you looked at a list of all the notable trans women, sports women in history, um, at that time, and this was um, back in 2019, um, there were 28 listed in the entire history of mankind. Um, that was it. Uh, and I, I'm going to say, and, and that included... Um, uh, Kelly Maloney, who is just a boxer, she was a promoter. She's, you know, in boxing. I mean, she's not a sportswoman. <laughs> you know, she's a, a, a yeah. Promoter. She nationally boxes up. Yeah, wasn't even a boxer. Yeah. Yeah. So there is just no one. And when you know, as I said, there's been all this talk about um, you know trans women are going to dominate sports. Well, you know, sort of if you look up now, and and they they, they included ones they didn't even have um, a an actual page on them because they were just had done they'd done nothing in sport. They were just names. Yeah, I mean, a couple of observations, you know, we, we, we've spent almost the entire of this podcast talking about trans women. We've never mentioned trans men at all. Yeah. I mean, I mean that was, that's reflected in the media, too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and then you, you look at what's going on in the States with all these laws being brought in to try and ban trans youth from participating in sports. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like this whole kind of media system is set up well, you know, in this negative way. Yeah, well, let me say it. So, so one that shows how um, crazy it gets um, and how it can, you know, the, the effect it has on the other side um, was uh, was actually um, a wrestler, um, Mac Beggs, um, who's uh, at a college um, in, in, in uh, Texas, um, who uh, is a trans man um, and desperately wanted to compete in wrestling um, at college against men. Um, under the laws, there was refused permission, um, and two years running, um, won the you know the, the wrestling competition um, against uh, cis women, and, and didn't want to compete against them. You know, it's crazy. Mm. Yeah. And it's interesting on this one. Um, I saw this on Twitter, and a, a number of anti-trans people used this as um, they would show the image. I don't think they were necessarily specified, but we were supposed to believe that. The, the trans man was a trans woman <laughs> um, and we were supposed to think how unfair this is but realistically it's a complete reversal Absolutely. of actually this legislation this heavy-handed anti-trans legislation has created a circumstance where they're actually making it unfair for cisgender women <laughs> to such a higher degree than 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 just not being transphobic in the first place <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah yeah okay i mean paul can you just talk about i know we, we mentioned it earlier we were talking about the ioc Yes. Um, were, there, were there any other kind of points you wanted to make about how the IOC is kind of influencing some of these decisions, positive decisions at the moment, yeah, and then the, kind the, of compare compare that to the negative stuff going on in the US? Yeah, I mean the, the I mean, well, a, a complete comparison. So the, the the best comparison, or what worst, if you like, is South Dakota. Um, literally this week, they've come out as um, the first state that have actually uh, for uh, high school and college sport. They have actually physically passed a law um, that bans um, uh, trans people from competing. You have to compete um, as your biological birth sex. Mm. Um, and that is an absolute outright uh, ban. It's the first time that's come in. So which is complete uh, contradiction to the IOC, which, as I said, is, is all about inclusion and fairness. Um, and, you know, sort of a, a, as I said, what it comes down to, and the only thing it ever comes down to, unfortunately, um, is, is transphobia. Um, mm. But that, that's the key thing. And I give a great example. I can't mention um, from a confidentiality point of view, um, I won't mention the sport, um, but I can mention there is, um, it's something I'm aware of because it's an ongoing situation um, and information was given to me. But um, there is a sporting authority um, that um, are looking to also ban and have an exclusion and their reasoning for having this exclusion um and it's a team sport but they're looking at having an exclusion um for safety reasons um and it is a sport where there is some contact but not it's not like rugby let's say um so there is contact um but not to that degree um well the crazy thing is and this just shows where their position is coming from um this organization they sponsor annual events which are mixed <laughs> 
So a total contradiction there. So, yeah, so they're not allowing trans women, but they allow cis men to compete against cis women in an event and think that's perfectly fine. There's no say. Again, it can only show where this is coming from. And it I mean, it just shows you where it's really coming from. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Transphobic yeah. point of view. And, and if we're sort of talking about, and again, it is difficult because the IOC's position um, and the biggest problem we have is the fact that um, it's clear that testosterone causes an issue. Clearly it does. Um, it is very clear from studies that um, up to puberty, beginning of puberty, uh, girls and boys have exactly the same sporting abilities. There is no difference. Once puberty has taken place, there is a difference. That's unquestionable. The, the, the shame to some extent is that there isn't a direct correlation between testosterone level and success. So in other words, it actually shows that, yes, if you actually reduce that testosterone level, 100%, um, that's what's going to be the defining factor of what is the difference between men and women. Because you have some women with very high testosterone levels um, and some men that have been successful with very low testosterone levels. Yeah. But it is a scientific gauge and it has been used. Now, because it's been proven that that actually isn't the be all and end all, um, the IOC have removed that from their recommendations. But that means there is no actual recommendation other than there should be full inclusion, it should be fair. We now recommend that you find what is right for each sport. Um, so that then makes it difficult. Some people say, well, that just passes the responsibility onto the sports and passes the buck, which sort of it does, but it is only because there isn't that defining thing. Now, I don't know. I mean, it's something I've been thinking of, but I don't know how practical this is. But, you know, let's say that we know that there is a 10% difference in speed um, in, in sort of the in distance running or short distance running, and the distance is 10 or 12%, whatever it is. You could theoretically say that someone pre-transition, what were their times? Because obviously you're competing at the highest level and trying to get post the highest, or sorry, quickest possible times. Well, as long as you then are competing fairly, so you have demonstrated at least a 10% drop on, under the treatment, um, um, then you are competing fairly because you now have removed the advantages. If the advantage of puberty is a 10% increase, then that's what you need to remove. Um, and every sport will be able to tell from its records what the difference in the advantage is, because as I said, there will be different advantages, different sports um, thing. And the one thing that, um, again, it was put to me at the thing is that says, we don't know exactly what it is and you can't know exactly what the difference is, but someone described to me, uh, it's like if you've got a Formula One car, um, if you're now trying to use it um, unleaded petrol in it, you clearly, it doesn't matter you've got a Formula One car. So all this talk of muscle mass and, and bone density and, the size of uh, your body <clears throat> is almost, it's totally irrelevant if it doesn't mean you're successful. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole point. Yes, you might still have those obvious, you know, um, visual advantages, but you've still got to be able to translate that into sporting success. And if it's not, then it doesn't matter if you've got a bigger body or a bigger hands, because it's not actually an advantage, because overall, the treatments that is actually part of transitioning um, clearly is having an impact. And that's why there are so few, you know, um, a, a successful sportsmen. It's just never happened. Now it will happen, but that's the thing. I mean, it's a speculative example, but like just to say with Leah Thomas, for example, like uh, obviously we don't know, I, I'm not saying I can see the future, but to your point, her body is larger than the cisgender women's would typically be right there's, there's variants in human but it's fine whatever but and she was this, she was a good swimmer anyway in, in the male division before she transitioned so she probably had pretty good um arms and hands compared to a, a lot of cisgender men like that would be that would be a, a broad expectation but something that's very interesting is that with that size as you're saying that's not going to go anywhere that's this hormones can't do that once they've made it but if she's been transitioning medically for three, four, five years, whatever, um, and her muscles do get smaller and they just simply cannot be maintained without the testosterone, and that's something that's, that's definitely true, then she's going to be lugging around a lot more weight in the pool than her cisgender um, competitors. 
um, and that may well, I mean, this is a speculative point, but it's just to, to, to kind of explore what you're saying, like that may well make her worse because she's carrying a bigger skeleton with her and she has the same small muscles that the other cisgender women have. They have the same muscles she has, but they have smaller skeletons, so they're carrying less weight. There's less um, surface tension on, on their limbs, for example, you know, whatever. Um, so, you know, th there is quite a lot of reasons why trans women aren't this like, magnificent perfect sporting um creature <laughs> the, the, the thing is and this is in it and, and you're right but the thing is that there's always this talk when you talk about trans women they're always described as this six foot male yeah, yeah, yeah. right most men aren't six foot to start with so just because you have sporting ability doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be taller. but the reality is <clears throat> if you have a sport and a female sport <clears throat> where height or and strength is an advantage mm. well surprise surprise the the cis women that will gravitate to those sports will be tall strong women because yeah. obviously that's the advantage you know and you know the example i use is you know it's not always if you want to be a jockey you don't want to be a tall you've got to be you've got to be small yeah. the smaller and so again <laughs> so it's thought that you know you will be competing against you know cis women that are completely you know in, you know have no chance of competing with you it's yeah. just you know yeah i mean if you, if you really, look at the horse really riding and basketball the two good examples yeah, there. absolutely i mean look at the, the size of some of the women that are actually in basketball you know that they're, they're i mean they're yeah. very because yeah because not surprisingly if you do have that advantage you are going to gravitate to that sport you know yeah, and again something which i pointed out that um that seemed to me so which was an interesting one and this is it shows Tell me where you can see this happening with trans women in sport today, right? So this was a good example I've, I've used recently. So in the last Olympic Games, um, they had the, um, the relay running. Um, and in the 400 meters relay, they actually had a mixed race, which mm -hmm. was interesting. So you had two men and two women. Mm -hmm. um, and what happened was, and what happens always is normally, you have the man runs first, mm -hmm. followed by two women, followed by men doing the last leg. This one particular leg that I was watching, they said, uh, you know, before that, when it started, they said, um, interesting enough, the Nigerian team have changed it around. And the male um, runner, second mirror, is going to run the third leg and the, the, the woman, the fourth leg. Yeah. So what you had was a man in the third leg running against women, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And a cis man running. When they ran, he absolutely destroyed them. He was about 30, 40 meters ahead when he crossed the line. Yeah. They were, you know, he, as I said, he'd gone around the bed. They were, I mean, if you go into Steph's place, there's actually a picture I've got because they did an article on this and it shows, um, you know, where they, you know, the actual thing is he's coming around the bend. Yeah. So he's absolutely destroyed them. Right. Yeah. Then he hands over to the woman. She takes yeah. over. By the time the race had finished, she finished last. Every single male runner overtook her. And I was like, and the reason why I point that out is because that shows the difference between a cis men and cis women in athletics. Yeah. If a trans woman had the advantage of a cis man, yeah. that's what we'd be seeing in athletics. You'd be seeing someone that was 30, 40 meters ahead that was absolutely yeah. destroying because at the top level, if you have that level of advantage, it's massive. Yeah, yeah and there's literally no it. examples of that, is there? Oh, there? Yeah, but we don't see it. And the reason we don't see it is because the treatment that is undertaken, which is treatment that no one else in sport undertakes to actually create that level of fairness, but that treatment does actually produce. So if it's fair, what's the problem? I and mean, the thing that isn't, and it's not just a case of saying, well, I'm sorry, you know, and this is what it comes down to. You're not a woman and you're taking the place of a woman. Yeah, a real woman. I yeah. mean, like, the, the thing about, well, I guess the thing to say about the medical transition as well is that, like, I think most of us just do it because we want to do it. Like, this tackles dysphoria. But, like, um, and I, I would be surprised if there's any trans woman, like, oh, I don't want to take it, like, whatever. Um, but, like, it, it's... Um, interesting about this uh, this comment you're making about them being transphobic because we can see this from another angle is that we're having um trans like children like underage um trans people being banned from sports 
And also, and this is in America, um, also, I don't have all the states that are doing it in the back of my head, unfortunately, but also they're trying to ban um, puberty blockers and mm. any sort of medical transition for, um, and even getting access to information about medical transition for people that are underage in America. And this is very interesting to the sport discussion specifically, because it's, as, as you're pointing out, Paul, you know, before puberty, you know, between male and female children, there's not a significant difference in performance at all, you know, and so, and then the puberty makes the difference. Well, if, and you have trans girls wanting access to be able to prevent this process that would make them such dominant males that would be so horrible to cis women, they want to not go through that, to be in a circumstance where they would be fair competitors were it that they wanted to compete and the same people are simultaneously making that and trying to make that impossible for them to do and making it impossible for them to play sports at all which is I think I would I just taking a second to think about that the only single thing that connects these ideas is transphobia there's only thing that they want is people to not be trans or if you insist on being trans to be excluded from society as much as we can get away with. Um, it isn't about fairness. It isn't about supporting cis women and girls. If they wanted to support cis women and girls, they would be supporting policies to actually do that, to actually tackle misogyny, to actually tackle reproductive rights. And the people that are pushing through these bills are the people that are against um, supporting cisgender women in those specific issues in the political domain. That's an interesting piece of information. <laughs> no, it's, it's yeah, absolutely spot on. And the, the what I can also go and say is, if this was about fairness, and as these sporting authorities know that proven there is no advantage pre-puberty, it is puberty, mm -hmm. why are there no policies that say, if you have been on puberty blockers, that you can then compete? Mm, exactly. Yeah. That, that, I mean, that it, it, yeah. all there is is talk about who's not allowed to compete. Mm. But if they know full well, which they do, that that should also be part of the policy. But they don't bring that one up. They don't include that. So moving forward, absolutely, because if we get to the point where, um, and we will at some point, where mm. puberty blockers, all the nonsense about them is, um, you know, is removed, and, and there, there will be the availability of puberty blockers, and you will then have trans women that have come through without any advantage whatsoever, we will get to that point. And then that completely blows away any argument. And it's something that's interesting whenever it comes up in discussion and I say to someone that clearly is coming from a gender critical point of view, and I say to them, well, how about someone that's, um, that's been on puberty blockers? Will you accept them? In, yeah. Because they have no advantage and you just get the deathly silence. Yeah, they, don't have, they, they don't have an answer to it. That because doesn't fit the narrative. Just transphobic, yeah. So, you know, just, just kind of to wrap up, um, I just wanted to ask you, Paul, um, what do you see as kind of like the future working system for all this? What would be your ideal going forward? I'll tell you what, when, when I was looking at this and I was seeing all the hatred that was coming through um, and I was seeing the issues and the problems um, and I saw, and I will just mention again, that there was one particular study that was relied upon by this uh, Tommy Lundberg. Um, that was a study which all of the gender criticals use. Um, and even he at the time admitted um, that his study was not on any trans athletes, it was just on trans people. So he admitted that it shouldn't be used in the sporting context because they weren't actually as well, but it's still relied upon that information and he's completely changed again. So that information was still being used and I could see that there was a massive problem. And I thought that this was something that was going for a long, long time simply because when you look at the whole um, issue of transphobia and the easiest places to attack and to, to win, if you like, um, I always saw that sport was the low hanging fruit mm. because, and I go back to my original, right at the very beginning, when I said, when it was mentioned to me the first time, you know, surely that's a problem. You think, well, yeah, that is a problem. And that would be the answer from every normal person to when first. So yes, it's an easy one to think there is a problem and then to try and, you know, cause there to be a problem. So the fact that with everything that's going on, 
with all the trans issues to have the IOC, the biggest sporting and most influential and powerful in the world, to actually be coming from a non-transphobic point of view, the, the most non-transphobic point of view, for absolutely making it very clear, sport is about full inclusion, trans women are women. That, that's a really positive and, and a position that sport almost, I'm surprised that, is almost leading the way out of transphobia, if you like. Um, so from that point of view, um, it, it's very encouraging um, because, you know, I mean, you know, you've still got the position, you know, as I said, that there are still areas of, you know, this country is going to take a while, obviously, under this current administration to accept and to change. And we know that there are sporting authorities where they're still fighting against it and it's going to be a hard win. Um, America, even harder. Um, you know, obviously, as I said, we've seen what's happening with states and what they're doing. Um, and especially if, you know, Donald Trump does get back in next time, which is, there's a very strong possibility he, he will do. Um, so again, there's going to be issues. Um, but as far as moving it forward from a world point of view is concerned, I think, yes, there is that possibility. You know, I think what we've got to do now is find, it's, it's actually find exactly what is that correct. Now, as I said, whether it's the measuring that 10%, whether, because what you've got to think in there is, are there, is, is there, as long as there's no ways to abuse that, if you like, you know, to say someone can have that 10% drop or a 15% drop, or you've got to be a certain weight or a certain, you know, whatever, whatever the, you know, the, the actual fairness is, um, you've got to try and find that fairness. Um, but hopefully there will be a way of doing it. And I don't know, as I said, I don't think we've come quite come to that yet as to what it actually is, but the IOC has definitely set that, those foundations where hopefully, because they are so influential, that, you know, that that will be taken up. So that's a great step in the right direction, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. Let's hope it continues. Absolutely. And I would also say as well that one of the key things is that when, you, when it comes to sport and, you know, sort of uh, countries around the world that are looking to um, succeed in sport, that's what they want to do. So yeah. as long as it's legal, and if the IOC are saying it's legal and are saying it's acceptable they will want to do it. It's like, um, you know, the, um, the, 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 the team that uh, Leah uh, swims for, um, you know, the coaches there are desperately trying to fight for her to be included. Why? Because she's a good swimmer, because they want her in the team, and because they know ultimately they want success. Yeah, you know? that's great for their team. Yeah, absolutely. And as long as it's legal, you know, what is wrong with it? That's the whole thing. Exactly. exactly. So and I fair. think... I yeah, I think I think I'm going to blow the referee, the referee, <laughs> referee's whistle there and uh, end the, end of the game and the discussion. Um, thank you so much for coming on today, Paul. Having this discussion, it was very interesting. Thank you, okay. and thank you, Violet. Some great points. Thank you very so, much. I could just say thank you too, and I think just watch this space is the um, yeah. I mean because there are some big developments that hopefully will continue to happen in sport. Yeah. You know, certainly talk about them if we can. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.